Welcome to our very first episode of A Cast of Entrepreneurs, brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Forum. I'm Elaine Stroud, Chief Executive of the Entrepreneurs Forum, and with me I have Sally Cowling, our Head of Marketing. Our vision at the Forum is to make the Northeast an absolutely essential place to be an entrepreneur, and we believe that entrepreneurs have the power to inspire others by sharing their own stories. And that's why we brought together an amazing cast of entrepreneurs across this series to tell it as it is, so our listeners can get real insight into what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We are delighted to have three very special guests here today. We have Mike O'Brien from Opencast. Hello. Hello there. Sam Spores from Talent Heads. Good morning. And Jason Turner from Data to Action. Good morning. Well, welcome to our podcast. As I said, we are very excited about this conversation, which we hope will inspire you. And we're going to get straight into it. So we're going to take you back right to the early days to kick things off. And I think we'll start with, let me pick, let's start with Jason. And we'll ask all three of you the same question because all three of you worked in fairly large corporate organizations before you set up your own businesses. So my question, and we'll start with Jason, is did you always see yourself as an entrepreneur? If I look back, I, I probably had the entrepreneurial spirit uh, sitting in there. If I look back to sort of childhood where I was growing up, typical uh, family of the 70s and 80s, not a lot of money. So lots of jobs at markets. I've sold everything from cheese to children's clothes, you know, so I could see opportunities, even to the extent of selling darts to kids at school. Uh, when there was a big darts <laughs> craze in the 1980s. Uh, bizarrely, that got stopped by the teachers very quickly. <laughs> I was very lucky then because I didn't know what to do when I left school. I, I joined a bank and that gave me a really good insight in business. And then my business career started to move on. So I ended up, you know, with some entrepreneurial companies like Home2 and then latterly with BGL. And that really gave me a flavor for innovation and things like that. So that really sort of spiked my interest. But of course, then you hit your sort of 40s, the family's growing up and whatever. And I thought, you know, I can do this. I can do, you know, I really love innovation. I really love sort of personal growth and whatever. And I can see opportunities in the market. So I kind of took the plunge myself. So did I always see myself as an entrepreneur? I wouldn't badge myself as that. Did I see somebody that really wanted to go and do something that would add lots of value? Yeah. And could I see lots of opportunities? Yes. And could I back myself? Absolutely. So. Mm. How about you, Sam? Were you selling darts in the school playground <laughs> as well? No, it doesn't sound very safe. <laughs> no, uh, no, for me, do you know, it's, it's similar, to be honest. I think I've always been, I've always grown up with that work ethic of being very responsible, wholeheartedly wanting to be accountable for something. You know, again, brought up with not very much money and seeing people struggle and, and actually wanting to do something about that and have a better life for myself and my family. So I've kind of been brought up with the knowing I've always been ambitious and I wanted to go somewhere and do something. But I think my corporate career and how fortunate I've been to work under some fantastic people and get such great exposure, I did I did too get to my late 30s, early 40s, and I was kind of like, I could do this myself. Mm-hmm. Like, what else can I give this person I'm working for in my corporate life? I've given them blood, sweat, tears. I'm up and down the A1. I'm doing everything for this person, actually. Maybe it's time for me now. So I think... I kind of, again, even when I've been in my corporate career, whatever I owned, I think I felt like I owned it. So it was really good to come out and own something that I was wholeheartedly in control of and something that could have an impact on my family as they were growing up too. So 
I'm quite proud to say I'm an entrepreneur. I, yeah, I, 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 it was something I needed to do. I had to scratch the itch. I had to get out. <laughs> I had to do something for myself. Did you always have that itch then, Sam, even when you were working for the corporates? Yeah, yeah. I think it goes back to that accountability piece. I was always willing to throw myself into anything, put myself into board meetings that weren't actually even my board meetings. I would just go and put myself out there. I would always be talking about what my team could do and selling my team. I think I always kind of wanted to be seen, um, I suppose, um, in probably a very needy way. (laughs) (laughs) So that itch was probably there. And then seeing entrepreneurs in those corporate even though they're corporate to us that there's an entrepreneur at the helm of all, all of those businesses and watching them and what they put themselves through I was like I get this I like it and I was really inspired by watching those people driving businesses forward and standing on those stages of management conferences telling us all, all how great we were I was like I want to do that <laughs> yeah well good for you and Mike turning to you now did you have that itch when you were uh, working for in your corporate days? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting term, that, isn't it? And I think a lot of people would say that there's this itch and you're probably trying things out within the corporate and you're doing things which are maybe the slightly maverick project. Mm -hmm. Someone will kind of go, oh, I know who can do that. (laughs) And they let you go off and do it. So I often said I had a kind of MBA for starting a business within even within the health service where I first worked in technology and then within a startup. So I was allowed to build a startup within a startup. Yeah. And then I think it's interesting mentioning the 70s and darts and people selling marbles and all these mm-hmm. kind of horrendously dangerous things to do at schools. <laughs> and I think when you, you know, I think we were lucky in a lot of ways being kids of that era because we did have to make a lot of things. And there was a very DIY culture. You know, I think I've talked recently at a thing and talked about you were DIY in the music because you had to kind of make your own stuff. <laughs> You know, and kind of be quite inventive. And then if you were into sports where you couldn't buy the equipment, you had to, you know, we had to make snowboards in our friend's garage and stuff. (laughs) And funny things like that, you know, and you kind of were going, oh, I really love this bit of clothing. And you had to work out how to make it. So I think we're quite lucky. You know, even in my career being a technologist, you had to make your own computer, mm. which now people at work just think it's ludicrous. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm a bit jealous that you had to really, you know, do that stuff. So, yeah. You mean you couldn't buy it on Amazon for delivery no. the next day? <laughs> that wasn't even a twinkle in anyone's eye. Yeah. So is that one of the first things that you did then, Mike, to build your own computer? That sounds quite impressive in the 70s it was well the early 80s that's kind of what happened because a lot of us who were interested in that space you were tinkering around with electronics you know a lot of us had parents who were quite clever at figuring out what we were going to do and they would give you an electronic set and you'd build a little radio and if you could then tune into metro and get the match and you'd made this thing that was quite (laughs) exciting you know and it had a solar cell on it so it would kind of run itself and then you know of course the next step for a lot of us was oh a computer well you can't afford it buying ibm or whatever Mm. they had it well they didn't even have them at school to be honest Mm. and you know people like the electronics teachers at school said well we've built this little thing and what you can do is simulate landing on the moon Mm. and in effect the graphic display was just uh you know an led which said how many feet you were off the ground but you that was so exciting you know it's kind of crazy right and then yeah it was a oh here's a box with a load of components and you can build a computer which you can then program which was probably one of the most exciting things as a 
you know, a kid of the 70s, so he was into sci-fi and comics and stuff, you can actually make this. At that point, no idea that you could actually make a business mm. out of it, really, or actually make any any money or make a difference. <laughs> and do you think that creativity has kind of been one of the key elements to how to your success as an entrepreneur? I think so, yeah. I think that I'll often think back. So I didn't really used to think about it too much, but when I thought about the DIY culture that you grew up in in that era, and, you know, and it's not just locked into that era in time, there's lots of people in that. I think that gives you a whole load of skills, you know, and a kind of, you know, never say no type of attitude, really. You kind of, it makes you quite resilient about things. Cause it, you... it does. I think it's problem solving, isn't it? You can see perhaps an opportunity and you're absolutely right. It was that, you know, make do, or if you needed something, you would make it. And I think mm -hmm. their skills that you grew up and ingrained, and actually now you have the tools and techniques and, you know, you can see these big, hairy problems and you, you're not phased by them. You can get after them. And that's that's a really good trait to have. Yeah. And I think as well, it's it's creativity, but it's also solution finding. Mm, I think yeah. I never, I've never built a computer. I could never profess to have built a computer. Mm. And I didn't tinker with things either. But I definitely think one of the, the things about creating a business is that you have to find what the solutions are, what are the mm. gaps, and you have to be so motivated on mm. a daily basis to put something together and put people together mm. and, and drive it all forward. So you have to be kind of maybe create over the time and maybe create over hearing about what opportunities are available to kind of hone in on and put all your mm -hmm. efforts into and, and drive forward. The people piece is really interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. when I reflected on that, I thought, oh, you then go, I can't do this thing, but I know someone who can Absolutely. do that and do that. And you pull these groups together. So you're already creating this little mini <laughs> organisation, you know? <laughs> and that, that's one of the things, going back to the corporate piece, when you run you know a corporate entity or organization you realize certainly from an operation point of view it's people process and technology mm -hmm. and it's blending and harmonizing that to get the outputs and that's something that if you refine over time you can pick those up and move them into your own business really quickly and they do change but if you're thinking mm -hmm. through that lens all the time really you know will your oyster when you went into business by yourself looking back now with your big careers behind you was there anything that you still wished you had known from the start? And I'll send that to, should we send that to Sam first? Ooh, there's a couple of things. There's two things. Um, I think the resilience piece. I think even though, you know, I work, I, I've been brought up in recruitment. I mean, could you get any more resilient? <laughs> you need to be super resilient to survive in that kind of world. It's dog eat dog. So I always thought I was super resilient. And then going into a corporate career where I was really accountable for something that was huge at the time and all the things that we went through, I thought I, I, thought I did have thick skin. But I do find that kind of going in with into a business where you are your name's above the door ultimately everyone's looking at you it's a different kind of resilience and it feels like every bit of stumbling block every little challenge that comes in no one really can prepare you for that even though you think that you've got a good grounding when you go into it new things come up every single day and everyone looks at you and goes what, what should we do so i think that's probably one of the things that you're kind of prepared for and also another thing that i think is really important is that no one prepares you that you need to know everything like you don't need to know everything and i think you go into setting a business up thinking i need to be on top of my game i need to go out there and show the world what i can 
can do. But actually, you, you don't. You need to have a passion for something. You need to spot your gap. You need to know how to kind of the mechanics of, of owning a business. But actually, if you find the right people and surround yourself with the right people, your business will go really quickly in one direction and that's up. So I don't think, I think in the first year, it was just me sitting at my kitchen table thinking I need to create some financial resilience in this business so I can start employing people. And I kind of had conversations with everyone and people who had kind of very nicely referred me to other people. But I kind of thought, this is, I have to do this. And actually, as I've gone through my journey, I've kind of realised, actually, no, I don't need to do this solely. I can find the right people and put the right team together. I can talk to other business owners who are more than happy to share where they've been and what they've done. And, yeah, that is definitely something that kind of going into the entrepreneurial world rather than the corporate world, that no one really told me how how powerful other people could be to your business if you just unlock the right individuals with different skill sets and different approaches. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, our founder at the Entrepreneurs Forum was Sir Peter Vardy, and mm-hmm. he said nobody got to where they are today without a lot of help from other yes. people. Yeah, <laughs> and you do expect that's what you're saying. You kind of think, yeah, you do. You kind of expect that you're going to come out and you have to do this alone. It's almost like this is my personal vision and this is my ambition. But actually, it's so much more fun. It's so much more fun getting other people involved and getting other people's perspective and and really kind of unlocking other things that you know you can't do. And it's quite nice and quite empowering to understand actually you don't need to be everything and all and you can share out some of that responsibility mm. people want the help as well they do they? and i love that yeah mm-hmm. yeah found that really interesting yeah you think that they don't but mm-hmm. everyone really wants to give somebody a hand yeah mm-hmm. they're, they're quite happy like to give you some of their time for free or recommend mm-hmm. someone else to you and you know people genuinely want to see you do well and if you find the right network those people are like your champions and you you feel like they're behind you going come on <laughs> but then you do that for them too and it feels there's something really nice to feel like you're giving something back rather than not just putting every single bit of effort into your own business mm-hmm. so how some did you move from sitting at your kitchen table to <laughs> where you are today in terms of the support that you had around you? At what point did you think, I can do more than sitting at my kitchen table and I want to make the leap and start employing people? What was the kind of thought process behind that? It was purely financial resilience, firstly. I was like, I need to have... I need to have the financial resilience in the bank so that when I do employ someone, I can be responsible with that. That's really important to me. I think it's maybe my upbringing where we've had no money. Mm. So anyone who I've got responsibility for, you will wholeheartedly have everything from me. That is, that's including the commitment that I'll pay your bills and all of that sort of stuff. And um, So that financial resilience had grown. And I'd honestly got to the point where I was working so many hours. I was I had a really big client who came on board really early, again, based on previous relationships that I'd had with that individual she brought the work to me um, and I was managing four or five clients at once and it was getting a little bit unmanageable and I was like right now is the time it's kind of proven that the business model works this has got a future I can responsibly do this and also I've got four kids at home we're a blended family and that kitchen table when the kids come through the door at half past three and they're bound in there and you're in the middle of something you're like no step back I kind of thought actually there needs to be there needs to be some separation here I need to come back into my home as a mother 
as well as an entrepreneur and I need some other people to come in and help me push these contracts forward mm. and it was great and actually my first employee actually had her induction at my kitchen table <laughs> we laugh about it now <laughs> she's still with me <laughs> how about you Mike I know when you started the business you took a small office at Holt's Yard yeah. was that right at the beginning or did you also start in your home first before you took that first office no uh, I, I suppose you do a well, I probably spent about a year uh, chatting with some business partner about what we're going to do. So there is a lot of those in the pub conversations, you know, getting some food in various, in your houses and so on. But it was a, I was working at a big corporate and it was a, you know, I had to finish on the Friday and start on the Monday. So it was literally walking into that that room and going, oh, right, this is quite interesting. I mean, you've done a lot of groundwork about who you're going to work with. Yeah. And, of course, obviously, the, always the, the legends are that, of course, none of that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of feel a bit a bit alone. But equally, you know, as you were saying, there's, there's so many people egging you on and going, you have to do this. I, it's going to work. And you sort of look back sometimes at some of the messages you get or people remind you mm-hmm. 10 years on, they go, I told you it would be okay. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it is a, it, it is a it is a strange one though. So I think somebody wrote a thing in the paper about it sitting there with your computer, computer on your phone, and that's it. And other people are going, "Oh, I'm going to join if you make some money." And you're going, "All right, this is really interesting." And you find out a lot about yourself. Don't you? yeah. <laughs> Jason, at what point did you realise this is actually serious? Now I've got to get on and make this happen that's an interesting question isn't it i I went into it with my eyes wide open uh this was something that i'd been um thinking about for a little while i was becoming more and more frustrated in the corporate world really around their agility actually we were an agile and innovative company but i wanted to move quicker or Mm -hmm. i wanted to see the results and i could see the value and whatever and i think it was just making sure that you know exactly what you said sam the financial considerations were there and whatever but we really, we really started to open the uh, the cage to let the beast out as soon as we started to talk to um, you know prospects and clients and people about our ideas and what we wanted to do, and they started to come on board and test it. I realised well, I needed to surround myself in more like minded people and bizarrely more intelligent people than me because actually we we are part of the business is very specialised and with it being technology and innovation, you know, you need to have, you know, super intelligent people. You need to mix those skills up that really you can learn from and challenge your own paradigms and say, great at problem solving, but I need you to help me build the building blocks. We did quite a lot of work, both Sarah and I independently start off with, but we then started to build that steady team of people around us very quickly. And of course, you're right, there comes a responsibility because you think, my God, it's not having another child. It's like, responsible for putting your you know shoes on your kids feet and this that and the other you know i'm worried about cash flow and they're coming up with these great ideas and things like this so so yeah that's been an interesting uh journey and it never goes away you know and i think you know we're growing you know exponentially every year now and it's still that sort of sense of responsibility and things like that it's uh so that's been an interesting journey for us I know a lot of the entrepreneurs that we speak to say it's all that pressure to make the payroll at the end of the it month. Is. Yeah, and you're is. ultimately responsible for paying all these people's mortgages. And it's yeah. quite a responsibility, isn't it, when you're sat at the top of the tree? Well, it's the ultimate thing. Trust, isn't it? 
you know, they, they, you know, you're bringing people in, you're selling them the dream, you're exposing them to your clients, and you know, they're working closely with you, and ultimately, they want to be paid. You know, they've got commitments, and there's a huge piece of trust in that, and you just, you know, you've got to back that up. Yeah. You know, every twenty fourth of every month, I look at our pipeline and take a big deep breath <laughs> and I'm like right this month is done I have to literally have like a bit of a self-talk pay all these people get all the expenses paid write what we've got in the bank what have we got coming for next month what we've got in the next quarter do the same things religiously every month that I pay people and your heart pounds in your chest because there was times as well where definitely in the early days when I was bringing people into the business and but I wasn't paying myself mm. or I was paying myself yeah. a percentage not even anywhere near my corporate salary when I was employed never mind the benefits that you got in a corporate world as well so I would take out just a little bit for me and make sure that everyone else was solid and I was looking after them and we'd done the right thing by them and I remember my husband actually is our accountant bless Paul he, every time he, he does something for us he's like the invoice is in the post <laughs> and I'm like Paul come on you're my husband you got to help us we've got a business <laughs> but he, I got to the point with Paul where he was kind of like you cannot be the, the least paid person on your payroll Sam mm. like you're going to have to do something about your salary but I can spend mine and his money absolutely no problem at all but spending the business's money I really struggle with that mm. because I have got these people who are looking at me who I want to develop who I want to push forward we're a people business mm. and I make sure I've got the right people and I retain them and therefore looking after them is always more important than what I yeah. what I take out of the business. Um, I can definitely see the longer term for these people. It's month by month. It's about what they can put on the table for their families, and I feel hugely responsible for mm-hmm. that. But it's interesting what you say about you, you can't do any of it without all those other smart people mm-hmm. and good finance people and yeah. great technology people. You yes. just yeah, you, you just can't do yeah. you can't do it. You have to sort of well, I think you know that. But you then you have you, you have to get more and more uh, of those people and sort of make yourself redundant, really. <laughs> yeah, you get that lot. Yeah, and so, it exposes you very quickly, doesn't it? Because you really are at the coalface, and whereas in corporate you had the scale and lots yes. of people around. Mm-hmm. Exactly, I think your first point is, oh, where's the safety net? Oh, it's me. Oh, yes. Dear. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I better work that out quick then. Did you not quite like though that when you're when you're in control of that, that's much nicer than it being somebody else. So in a big corporate, I remember people saying, oh, but that's a big corporate and they've got billions of dollars and it's mm-hmm. really safe. Mm-hmm. You say, well, it isn't because you could just get fired. Absolutely. Made, yeah. But when you're in control of it yourself, yeah. I found that it's an amazing, liberating thing that mm-hmm. wasn't as scary as working for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really thought it was... A, it was you you're know, much more in control Mm. aren't you and you you yeah. can make those decisions and you're making them in full view of everything aren't you yes. so yeah. uh, whereas actually you know in a corporate the decisions are being made for you in many respects and you're part of a bigger bigger you know cognitive wheel aren't you so yeah. I agree with that yes I think you're only human as well and I think it is quite liberating to come out and be in control of your own destiny so to speak but every now and again the reality does suck a punch you in the face and you're kind of like oh this yeah. you know, this does sit with me this is mm. that you know everything that family has done to support you as well to get to where you are you know you kind of do feel like it, it does all stop with you and you can sometimes just get a little bit like oh gosh I need to come away from this for a little bit and then come back mm. into it because it can get slightly overwhelming with the level of responsibility you're always holding the line that everything's okay yeah you've got to, to have family out to everybody else on. you you know you're yeah. the cheerleader for it all all yeah. the time yeah mm. absolutely yeah. And everyone believes in you and they want you to do well mm. the last thing you want to do is kind of 
dispel any of those kind of ideas that they've got about you. So you're kind of holding it together with a really weird smile on your face. Everything's great. <laughs> so Jason and Mike, you've both founded your business with someone else, mm-hmm. with a, another business partner. Do you think that has helped ease some of the pressure that Sam's talking about in terms of being solely responsible? Yes. Uh, one of the things I did before founding the company, I, I talked to a lot of other people about what they done, nearly worked for other people and had that decision. Do you work for another startup-ish firm or do you do it yourself? And one of my friends who's got a really successful tech company said, do not do this on your own because I did and that was really horrible. I never got said, that memo. Yeah. <laughs> See if I'd known you. Yeah, and yeah, and that know. stuck in my mind. And when the opportunity to work with somebody else came along, you know, I thought this is definitely the thing to do because, you know, especially if you're different people as well, that's really useful because you don't get the kind of group think between the two of you, mm. you know, and, and we have a lot of fun on disagreeing about things and, and always have done. And that's actually part of the, mm. the relationship, you know, we all sort of joke that it's like, you know, we have this funny, you know, sort of funny brother type of thing. And, you know, I, I've got sisters, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what this is like, but where brothers can, you know, kind of rub it against each other and challenge each other. But that's great. And that that makes, you know, for me, it, it made the whole thing a, a better environment, really, to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And do you find that you use your business partner as your sounding board or do you have other people outside of that relationship? Both, both really. I think as many people as you can have really as a good thing from different environments as well you know so not for, for me not just in technology because mm-hmm. you get completely different viewpoints from other people and I've always found that very very useful and you know from your clients that's the great one mm-hmm. you know you get this brilliant advice because you just can't see half the things that mm-hmm. those folks see so I think you know the, the idea of having as many people that you can call on and then new people mm-hmm. as well and you know groups you know, the forum, etc. Mm-hmm. These things are great because sometimes you just, you don't know what you need and you're having a random conversation with somebody and say, oh, you need to speak to somebody who's got a distillery. <laughs> really? Okay, right. <laughs> and that's just, that's just fascinating, you know? Yeah. Is it the same for you then, Jason, with your business partner? I, I was probably very fortunate because we'd worked together for 10 years so uh, exactly your point in a corporate world, we've done lots of, you know, personality modeling, this, that, and the other, and we are stark opposites. <laughs> and we worked that out really quickly, but um, we were afforded the luxury then of, you know, understanding all those sorts of things and actually then working in teams and working together. And that, that worked really well. And we realized over a period of time that we, we had a shared passion for where this business opportunity was. And we carried that on, so we were both quite keen to to move into that. That gives us a lot of advantage in terms of the way we problem solve, the skills that we both bring to the organisation, because we are very opposite. You know, Sarah is a proper completed finisher, whereas I'm the proper eighty percent. Oh, if it's not shiny, I'm off. Thank God, it's very interesting. Talk to talk. I'll go off and do something else. Um, and it's it's great because we 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 you know dovetail into each other really well. I think you shouldn't underestimate though. The 
the stress that that can put you under when you're, you're setting your business. And I think if we hadn't had that long-term relationship, you know, desire and, you know, being at the cold face all the time and this, that, and the other, and you, you have two families to think about and two sets of criteria and this, that, and the other, that, that can bring its own challenges. And, you know, there's been some times where we've just kind of looked at each other and thought we just need to go away and just have some time away from each other here. And, that, you know, that's quite healthy because we, we come back and it's all for the benefit of the business, but it doesn't, it tests that relationship in every corner a lot of the time so i think that's the thing that you know you were talking about things that you wish you'd known a little bit more about how that can go yes because no i don't think anyone really prepares you for that or you i never really kind of read anything that made me realize how difficult that could be and that tests you your friendship and and all sorts of things doesn't it it Um, does yeah and it can be and it can be quite visceral in some respects because you're so passionate about what you do and this that and the other and you you think you've worked together and gone through these projects and you know tough times or whatever it's nothing like when you've got your own business and your own commitments and things like that um and it does make you stronger to be fair you know a few screaming matches occasionally and don't talk to each other for a couple of days it resolves everything you know so i've got to have a sense of humor oh you do yes yes absolutely because you you do have to have that common ground and the common ground is the the entity and the the baby that is your business you know it needs both you in there did you find, and if you're both quite entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. that we used to call ourselves the Tiggers? Oh. We said, no, we need some Eeyores. Yeah. <laughs> kind of calm us down because we just can't concentrate sometimes. Yeah, like tickers. I think all entrepreneurs, pretty much most of us, are like keen as mustard. Like, come on, quickly get some people yeah. who can just. You know, you know your your that. staff now are going to be listening to this, thinking, do they think I'm the E or in the? <laughs> when I was saying that, I thought, oh no, yeah. I think people understand the spirit. Of, yeah, yeah, you're right. You calm do, down, guys. You do need to have that balance and. Um, uh, we're very fortunate because we realised that we needed, I think as you said earlier on, to surround ourselves with trusted people that could we could go to with problems that we just couldn't resolve ourselves, particularly problem solvers or people that yeah. knew both of us and knew our strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, one of our non-execs has worked with us both in previous lives and can kind of cut through the rubbish really quickly <laughs> and just settle us back down and say, well, yeah. I think the problem is this. You need to be focusing your attention on this and you need to behave and stop bouncing about and start completing finishing things so i think you're absolutely right you've got to have a balance somewhere and you need somebody to help you with it yeah it sounds like you all are super passionate about what you do you love your businesses and a question i have is how do you keep that joy 10 years into your business how do you make sure that it's still fun what do you do to ensure that you're still loving it as the business evolves that's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> I've got to be honest, I'm not 10 years in, so I still feel as if I've I've got a lot to come in my in my journey. Um, but I do feel like every day can feel like a marathon. So even though we've only been going for like three years, I do feel, I feel every day. And I don't know if that does get easier as you hit major milestones and you are around a little bit longer. Because I do think when you're first starting up, everything's new. So your first bit of rubbish feedback, first time a client doesn't review um, renew with you, you know, the first time a team member doesn't work out. So you know, all the really hard things, like three years in, I'm still coming up against some of the first times for things. So I'd be really interested here. Yeah. Both of you, really, what, what is the tenure? How do you keep it going? Um, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this and, and you know, it, um, sometimes the, un- the answer sounds a bit cliched, but because 
in certainly in our business, it is a it's technology, but it's a people business. That's what it's all about. So you meet new client folks, you're meeting, you know, new partners, etc., and you're hiring new people. So all the time it's really interesting. So, mm. you know, we had a new starters lunch the other day and you meet ten people and you don't know where they're from or what they've been doing. Or we had a, a dinner out last night when there was a whole bunch of people I sat next to that I'd never met before. And they were going, this is, must be a bit weird, right? Because there's another 50 or 100 people that you haven't met. And you think, well, that makes it every day really interesting because you're seeing new people, finding out what they do. So, you know, apart from all the, as you say, the problem-solving stuff that goes on in, in you know, the day-to-day of a business. But for me, it's the, it's just all of the, all of the different people mm. all the time. Is mm. kind of just keeps it endlessly fascinating, really. Mm. Every day is a school day. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> you know, Not today I think the schools are on strike. Today. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that'll be a school day in terms of trying to get my eleven-year-old to actually do some schoolwork at home. But um, you know, <laughs> so. <school. laughs> but I think personally, I've got a, um, a thirst for knowledge and you know progression and education and stuff like this and. Seriously, I mean, where, where we, we started and where we are today, you know, the core is the, the same concepts, but we are just learning. I mean, what's there not to get motivated about when you jump out of bed in the morning and go, today I'm going to try something new. Today, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a new problem or a new issue to deal with that I may or may not have faced before. You know, people will be finding it difficult elsewhere. And you know what? We're going to go and get our teeth into it and work it out. You know, and sometimes that is you haven't worked it out. And you've got to keep going and throw it in the corner and kick it and ignore it for a week but you know it's that that appetite for advancement that appetite for you know and we live in a great transformation era where there's so many things going on and certainly in our business it gives it affords us the opportunity to be you know engaging with things that are interesting engaging with people that are interested yeah. you know and sucking the information out of them or you know researching stuff and actually then thinking well how can you commercialize that and how can i put that into problems and real life problems that businesses and leaders are having and help them what what's not to be motivated by that it's just great it's you know it's it can be tough and sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees but like you said earlier on you'll find somebody for a cup of coffee and say look i'm trying to do this and somebody will just give you that little nudge or that little nugget and you think i've solved that and at the end of the week you go that's not been a bad week might even get paid for it <laughs> you know. that is the best description of why people should be an entrepreneur so if it's in you and you're listening to this i think you'll be convinced a go and find a business partner and b get started because that sounds a great way to live your life mm. how how do you then carve out time away from the business to reflect are you any good at carving out time and what do you do with that time that perhaps in the early days was a challenge if i'm honest because you are very consumed in it and you know there's lots of considerations and family considerations and pressure and all this sort of stuff first of all pressure on yourself but then you know um, ambient pressure as well so i think over time you kind of have to force yourself and afford yourself the time. And I think what everybody needs is a big golden retriever 
<laughs> you know, and actually, you know, have something and dedicate your time to go off and do something else. I'm very lucky. We've got two boys, you know, a happy, stable, stable family life and a dog. And, you know, go and do something, you know, and they need their, uh, you know, kids need the parent time. But you tend to forget as well, you know, I say the two boys, I'm teaching, they're watching what dad's doing. Yeah. And they're seeing dad problem solving. They're seeing dad, you know, wrestling with issues and talking to mum about stuff or talking to other people about stuff it's fascinating to watch how you're creeping those values into them about resilience and problem solving and hard work and that's only what happened to us growing up in the you know I was going to say 60s but I would you know be careful with my age um, 70s and 80s so um, you know and I think these are good things to have but you have to make the time and you have to dedicate the time and I'm, I'm quite strict now we were talking about bank holidays and things off walking the dog with the kids and doing things like that and just afford just go and do something else um and do that i think the other thing about doing that is it's a good example to you people who are working for you as well mm. because often if you see yeah. a leader who's you know working 24 hours a day you feel like you've got to mirror that which can become a little toxic it's not healthy it's not healthy because you know you you want a culture that the you know the business is the sum of the culture of all the people in there, especially when you're employing people, and you want the culture where they they can get the downtime, they can have the time with the families, you know. Because at the end of the day, I think as we said, you're putting food on the table, and you want to show them that you can whatever, you know. Send them emails at five o'clock in the morning, and that was accepted in corporate world, oh, yes. you know. And I wouldn't dream of it now. You know, it's like, yes, we, we work and we sometimes we have to be flexible to meet the client needs, but we also have to be flexible to make sure that your needs are being met as well because you're so important to us. And that comes from us as leaders. Mm-hmm. And Sam, you're super busy. You're in year three yes. now. Are you able to carve out that time to be able to reflect on what you've achieved so far? Yeah, and I think, again, it is about discipline because your days could just go on a heartbeat and before you know it, you haven't had lunch and you've just been running 100 miles an hour. I've now got to the position where I've got an SLT team who are fantastic with the help of the Entrepreneur Scale-Up Academy. That's all happened on the back of that. So I've got the structure now in for me to take a step back and not have to be in the day-to-day as much. But it's really hard not to dabble and get involved. Um, But I am, again, it goes back to discipline, pulling myself out of it and just be I need to work around the future of the business not delivering for clients and things and I can definitely appreciate how far we've come I can see it um one of the other things that I think is it's, it's really important to do is kind of put something in your diary even an hour for me because our business is still so young an hour a week where I speak about just things that have happened not to my husband not to anyone who knows the business I quite like one hour a week I speak to a random lady who just listens to me as I speak to her and I find it really good (laughs) and very therapeutic and it's in my diary every single hour and I literally just go blah and then so, I so random lady are you talking like random lady off the street do we really <laughs> <laughs> how excited would that be yeah. no no just like like 
always you do surround yourself with coaches and mentors as you grow in the business and those people have a bit of a vested interest in you and they want to help you whereas I've kind of found a lady who isn't a random lady because she was referred to me but a lady who isn't a business lady like so there's someone that has has been chosen by someone else that I respect who can just be a, a sounding board for myself to go into her offices for an hour per week and I just literally just tell her everything and I don't feel guilty about what I say she doesn't judge me she doesn't advise me she just listens and actually I think for the stage of the business where the business is now that kind of support for me is really important because I don't want to take it home I don't want my husband to hear all of this stuff I, and, I, and I do want to sometimes just have an opportunity to kind of make bring everything down take the emotion away solve the problem myself walk out of that room and be like right I'm ready mm. so yeah <laughs> I think I need a random lady <laughs> do you know what Elaine it's really good yeah it is it's really good so one of our questions was about who would you have as your ideal mentor if you could have anybody it doesn't have to be someone from the northeast even anyone famous or anyone that you admire that was a, that's a really hard who would you, who would you book in every week for your hour I think it's really difficult to look at famous people because yeah. you don't you only see what the public sees so actually if you went into their board meetings or you there might be a completely different person so there's not there's no one that I would really hang my hat on famously that I would be like oh I would want them I do think if anyone's met um, Alice Rowan from Rowan Homes She's great. She was. She's done super well in the region. She did a little bit of mentoring with me on a day that was particularly a difficult day for me. <laughs> and she was advising me on lots of different things and just seeing the kind of what she's gone through as a, as a local lass, so to speak, and how she's grown different businesses, sold them and moved on, and how present she is in the community. I think someone like that, that they, they, they inspire me. People who you can almost touch, mm-hmm. people who you can see, someone you hear speak, people who have actually felt what you feel i think they're the people who inspire me and push me on i remember um going to a presentation once with somebody called chris moon chris moon was um an ex-military guy who'd been blown up by a landmine and he'd lost his arm and his leg and this that and the other and he tells a great story but the heart of his story is all about overcoming adversity and you know you're as a busy entrepreneur you're facing um, adversity all the time and actually, you listen to some of these true life stories from, you know, dare I say, it, real people. Mm-hmm. And you think, I could listen to you every day. And actually, what it would do is help me regulate what I think is adversity compared to that. Yes. And I think, you know, getting in touch with those sorts of people that have overcome real life, big, hairy issues, that's really inspirational, mm-hmm. really. And do you know what? They're all around us as well. Yeah, they are. Yeah. What about for you, Mike? Um, the, yeah, there's just there's so many people, really, and I'm a sort of avid listener of podcasts, and you know, every week you hear another really brilliant person talking about something they've they've done. But I um, I I met this really fascinating guy and heard him speak a pro- probably about six months to a year before Opencast, and it was a friend of mine who I used to call up and you know, kind of get, I suppose, executive therapy. <laughs> she would just sit and listen to me just talk about all the problems that you're having in the corporate world. And just kind of went on into startup world. And she said, oh, um, oh, I've got this guy I think you should meet. And we were at work 
and we, we had this absolutely horrible thorny problem, this technology problem. And somebody said that it's not rocket science um, in the conversation. And someone said, well, you know what we should do is get someone who's a rocket scientist to come in and talk to us. So what ended up happening is they got a they got an astronaut to come in and she said, you've got to meet an astronaut. Who doesn't want to do that? So I kind of went, oh, yeah, definitely. And there's an interesting thing happened because I then said to the, in the corporate I was working, I said, hey, who wants to meet an astronaut? And one person came to the meeting. Mm. Like, can you believe it? I mean, really interesting. I mean, it, t- it tells you all you need to know about them wanting to escape that, that world, I guess. But I met this chap called uh, Story Musgrave. And he's now 87. And he's got seven kids. He flew five shuttle missions. Um, he's a musician. He's an author. Um, oh, he's a surgeon. Um, he's a software engineer. And I think it was just somebody who... He, He's just never let up. And not in a not in a way that made you feel stressed that, oh my God, I've got to do more, but just in a what how inspiring that you thought, oh well, I can fly fighter pilot, you know, I'm a fighter pilot as well. Oh, I can fly a shuttle. Oh, I think what I'll do is I'll go back and study and be I'll be a surgeon. Mm-hmm. And then the stories were that he then innovated in these, you know, he, he became a surgeon and kind of improved a whole bunch of things and the processes that surgeons used to sort of carry out in hospitals so i I found that really inspiring because it was so out of my sphere of knowledge or understanding but actually as a person you could really you could really connect with them as as it's just an amazing human so that for me i often think about about him and sort of you know think oh wow that's that that makes you just want to do more more things Mm. and more maybe diverse things as well Mm. it's quite interesting very interesting. And we could continue this conversation all day and probably all week. Um, it's been fascinating. But we've got one question that we'd like to finish up with for each of you. Um, and we have pre-warned you. Um, and this question is forward winding. Mike is, just to let you know, Mike is sat here with his head in his hands because <laughs> he knows what's coming. Um, and the question is, thinking forward to your 70th birthday party, it's full of all your friends from all of the years that you've known them. What is it that people are going to be talking about your life at that party? Well, we will start with Mike. <laughs> that's, 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 that's interesting because obviously it's kind of 11 years closer they went to start the business and it was slightly <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Goodness me, that's 13 years' time. That's not very long. Yeah, I, I think there'd be a you know, my, my partner would say, Are you ever gonna are you ever gonna stop? Could you kind of just stop and calm down <laughs> and have a rest? I think people would probably still laugh and say, So who have you met this week that you're gonna start a business venture with? <laughs> and who have you met? on the train who's going to be a client or who's this other interesting person and I think people would just continually talk about that so zero expectations that you'll be slowing down (laughs) at the age of 70 he'll still be in the thick of it I I, I think so and I think that he'll probably still say are you going to stop you know throwing yourself down mountains on (laughs) planks of wood (laughs) and stuff like that and doing doing kind of things that maybe I should have stopped many years ago (laughs) don't stop Mike (laughs) (laughs) Jason how about you it's an interesting question isn't it because it's um it makes you sort of reflect I think um 
if I if I think about where I am and where I want the business to be, you know, I flunk computer studies at school. <laughs> and if you think about what I do, it's all about computer and data. And I remember when I did my master's information technology, I wasn't interested in that. And actually, I've ended up in a business where, you know, we're really innovative with that. And they'll think, how on earth has he managed to pull that off? I think like yours, I, I, don't, I wish he'd sit still. You know, I just cannot sit still. And I think that will happen until, you know, I'm probably in a box somewhere um, and, and this, that, and the other. And, I, and that's something, actually, I don't ever want to lose. I think if you lose that sort of joie de vivre and that get up and go, it's, you know... It's, it's going to uh, be a good party. Yeah, I, no, I <laughs> very so. good parties. So. And, and Sam, is your party going to be just as lively? I imagine yeah, so. Yeah, very possibly. I do think, I've already heard, you know, we got married a few years ago and I remember some of the speeches when people were talking about us and what people were saying about me was that, yeah, not even COVID could stop me. They were like, watch Sam, she'll keep going. I think I'm known for that. Again, it goes back to resilience. But I do hope that, you know, on my 70th birthday, if people are looking Looking back at my my career, I, I hope it has got that legacy element. I hope it's got something that I've built something that lots of people have also had an input in. And actually, everyone's proud of that. And the kids have learned some great values along the way and things that they can take into their careers. And and that we can all say, look, look what we've done and look what we've achieved. Um, yeah, I think that legacy piece around, you know, we've done something, we've changed something, we've made an impact actually hasn't been for nothing. Mm. You know, we've, we've left something behind. So lots of words have kept cropping up throughout the, the podcast. And my final question for each of you is what three words would you use to describe your life as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Fun is the first one. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Seriously, it's it's yeah. fun. That's good. Yeah. Good start, Mike. Yeah. Non stop. It's it's and it's powered by us. Like it's definitely powered by me. I could definitely slow down, but I don't want to. Mm. I think you've got to say resilience. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's know, cropped up a few yeah, times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. Yes. It's exciting. It's not exciting. What are you doing it for? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not excited by it, go yeah. and get a job. Yeah. And yeah. opportunity, isn't it? We've got no one standing in our way. It's mm. up to us to push forward. So, yeah. It's... Exciting's a great one, isn't it? Because people in go talk about corporate where people say that word and everyone looks at each other and goes, it really isn't. <laughs> When you're in your own business, yeah. people say it and you go, it actually is. Yes, absolutely. You're allowed to say it now? Oh, it really is. <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about, uh, they were coming to join us about their dream job. And I said, if you ever think this is a job that we're getting involved in, it's probably not the place for you. This is an environment really where you can flourish, that you can, and by the way, you get paid, you can have some fun, you know, you can get mucking with the rest of us, you'll learn lots of stuff, but actually it's, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And if you then start to think of it as a job, yeah, it's really not for you. You know, brilliant. So, so well, I'm not fun. sure we got to three words. Sally, are you happy with not a job? Three words. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good way to end. <laughs> I, I think the fun and excitement and maybe Tigger would be a good one as well. Tigger, a good yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very, very much to our guests today. Thank you to Jason, to Sam and to Mike. We've really appreciated your candid responses. I think we've had fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your days. Thank, Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Tune in next time for another exciting cast of entrepreneurs. 